You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome into the Testudo Times Podcast. Matt Levine, Lila Bromberg back at it to talk everything Maryland men's basketball. After a major upset last night over the number six Wisconsin Badgers in Madison, Wisconsin, the first time the Terps knock off a top 10 team since 2016, early 2016. And Lila, it was just something that I don't think anybody in the country really expected with how good that Wisconsin team was playing and how Maryland was trending in conference play, avoiding an 0-3 start in conference play now to get their first road conference win and their first Big Ten win of the season. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did not expect that. It's kind of interesting for me because I remember last year, maybe I was too optimistic at times, so I was usually right in that I felt like Maryland could win any game they were going into. And this year, there just wasn't that confidence there with the 0-2 start. You know, they looked better against Purdue, but like you said, this Wisconsin team was dominant. I mean, we were joking. It's like he is like guys for 11 years or whatever. Like he literally has like six and seven year guys returned the entire starting five. Um, and I honestly thought that Maryland was going to get, you know, blown out. Um, and they showed just so much toughness, especially like being on the road, road that whole time, having a few games in a few days, playing in a tough building, even without fans. Um, it's a huge statement win and confidence boost for this team. I don't, I still have, am kind of going back and forth on how I see the season going, which we'll get into later, but it definitely is, you know, a huge statement win that um, puts this team back on track. And they knocked them off 70 to 64. And when was it that in this game that you thought they had a chance? They had a chance or they sealed it? Both. I don't know if there's like a, I know the specific point for when they sealed it. In terms of when I knew they had a chance, I was skeptical through the first half. Um, I was even probably skeptical through like half of the second, but once we reached like the half of the second mark, maybe like somewhere around there, I, I don't know the exact, but the moment, and I think we did this for a game or like that I knew they were going to win it, even though it was really close late, was that Dante Scott dunk. I mean, he's had some insane dunks this year just crazy I mean we couldn't talk about the putback dunk that he had uh a couple games ago and then oh yeah number one on sports center yeah and now we're talking here about his second posterized dunk I guess of the season and Daryl Morsell had one as well in this game I think Aaron Wiggins had one too like he had a steal and dunk also sorry we've been away guys it was exam season been a weird time but we are back we're happy to be back as Matt mentioned we we missed that game but I mean you have like some solid guys who can dunk on this team and it's it's fun to watch when they can get going on the fast break well I think that's what when, when you talk about this team being deep it's not that they have phenomenal talent up and down like the way Wisconsin or Iowa does but they have guys that can do everything and athletic guys right exactly so from top to bottom even if everyone's sort of in the same ballpark of just good basketball players. Nobody's – they don't have a Jalen Smith or Anthony Cowan. I disagree completely. I think they do in Dante Scott, but he's not being used correctly. Would you like to get into this now or after we discuss Wisconsin? We can get into it after, but – Okay. Let me continue my point. Is that <laughs> – there's no – fine, there's no Luca Garza on this team. And then Luca Garza's on four different team. starters that could go pro, you know? There's 
a bunch of guys that are very solid players that can shoot the three, that can dunk, play good defense. And there's a lot of versatility on the team. And I think that's what is sort of making this team deep and could help. And it, it helped last night against Wisconsin, but it could help against tough Big Ten opponents. And we've seen how this season's shaped up already for all of the teams in the Big Ten. You really just have no idea now at this point. I Northwestern think, good at football and basketball, like ranked? Like what is happening? Yesterday, Maryland beating Wisconsin yesterday proves to me that nobody's safe. And I, I, I think really only don't. Gonzaga is safe. In <laughs> <laughs> Although Gonzaga that'll be close more technically. But in the Big Ten, I really don't – I don't know. I, this is by far the best conference in college basketball, and it might be a historically deep conference. Yeah, I believe that, like, nine teams was the most for the AP Top 25, like, ever. And uh, they had a couple – I think they had Indiana ranked as well. Um, and, I mean, I think sometimes people, like, when they're talking about best conference, they immediately think of, oh, like, the most, like, top – 10 teams but like I think of it in the way you do in that you literally have nine ranked teams sure like you only have a couple in the top 10 or um you know 12 or whatever but like you said anyone can be anyone on any given night and that's so much fun and then it really prepares these teams for down the line in uh March yeah and I think there's two ways to look at it is that every team's on upset alert every night and then some people don't really have confidence in them going into the tournament. But when you're losing these early season games, that kind of shows you what you need to work on and things like that. So I think that there's, there could be 12 or 13 teams that end up coming out of the big 10 to go to the NCAA tournament. And however that's going to work this year. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, but there are several that I think could win it also, or at least go to the final four, which is, it's really kind of crazy to think about because as you said, there's people that just look at when Duke and UNC are the top five teams every year, which is not the case this year, but when no, they are, the case for Kentucky, right. And even when Kentucky was good and people look at the ACC or the big 12 being the best, just because they have the top heavy guys or top heavy teams rather. But in the Big Ten, you have, I think it's like 15 to 23 or something are all Big Ten teams in the poll or whatever. There's, it's, it's kind of, it's impressive. I like, it's so fun to watch, especially, I, I, I want to know what the perspective is like from someone who is not a fan of a Big Ten team or is not covering a Big Ten team, what they think. I don't of- get why some people don't like good defensive basketball. I love it. Especially when you have, like, the fast break. I love defense. Yeah. But, okay, so let me ask you this. You've been watching a ton of college basketball. I've been watching as much as I can. Always have it on in the background. So I'm going to ask you, A, what was your – the best upset you think in the Big Ten so far? And then as of right now, who do you have in the Final Four, even though it's very early? Tough question, tough question. I think the – Get to the tough questions here, Matt. The biggest upset. Well, I got to go back and look at all of them now because there's been so many. I think mine is Minnesota over Iowa, right? That was Minnesota? Yes. I think that was definitely Um, mine. I think, honestly, maybe Minnesota over Michigan State last night. Again, Michigan State was overrated going into the season. They have an incredible coach, but they don't have the talent. Yeah, but that just shows me that Minnesota might be legit without Daniel Oturu. Which is interesting because 
they don't have any other guys there besides Marcus Carr that stand out to me in terms of talent, but that uh, one kid who was hitting all the threes, I believe he was a transfer. Was it Brandon Johnson or something like that? Yeah. Um, he was incredible. Like he just lit up from deep. That was so much fun to watch. He couldn't miss. Um, the final four, are we talking big 10 teams that are no, like cover anybody? No, like they're like who you see at the like end final four. Um, Gonzaga, number one, Baylor two, Iowa three, Illinois four. All right. So obviously I'm teams in there. Uh, I am obviously also going to have, um, Gonzaga at one and I'm going to go with Baylor at two as well. I'm trying to think where I want to go from there. I think I want Iowa in as the either Iowa or Illinois in. Um, I think either of them could get in as the four. Um, and then in terms of a three seed, I'm thinking like Tennessee might get in this year. I don't think so. Oh, wait, they've only won one game. Never mind. I was just looking at rank. Never mind. Um, honestly, like maybe Kansas or Villanova. They're two very, you know, well-coached teams and they both, you know, have the talent. Maybe Villanova. I, w- I would say Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova, and either Illinois or Iowa. Um, probably Iowa. I mean, Iowa's got everything going for them, so I think. Yeah, they look great. They, But they I think you could have at least um, four or five, like four Big Ten teams in the Elite Eight, three yeah. to four. Wisconsin could get there. Rutgers could get there. Illinois could get there. Illinois, Iowa. I don't think Rutgers can get there. I don't think Rutgers is a team that like has the enough experience postseason to get that far. I think they totally. They've never been here before. Yeah, they've never won Big Ten games before, and look what they're doing now. (laughs) That's true. We love the Rutgers slander, but like for real this year. No, honestly, yeah, I know. They actually have a chance. I think. I'm saying like experience. Ohio State could get there. I'm just saying experience is crucial in March, and the program does not have experience. That is my concern. I think they get to a Sweet 16, but I don't think they make an Elite Eight. I mean, their their best or their second best player is a redshirt senior, Jacob Young. He's got the experience. He's not the experience of playing. I'm saying NCAA tournament experience. I I think that's so crucial. Um, like that's so crucial. I think a lot of people would overlook them. A lot of teams would overlook them. Not take them seriously. It's still good, but I don't. I don't like. It's really tough to go that far in your first time. Like in how it was like over forty years. Did it, and that was major upsets. That's true. I mean, we'll see. Rutgers would probably be like a four or five seed, honestly. Maybe it's going to be very I, interesting to see how it ends up. I mean, I can see – let's see if Andy Katz has his seeding out right now. I mean, I just – I don't know. I feel like maybe there could be an upset of Gonzaga, but right now it just feels so clear to me that they're going to win. Um, that they're going to win all of it. Like, it's by far the best team I've seen him have. Oh, without question. I think they might be one of the best college basketball teams I've ever seen. Okay, so yeah, I completely agree. It's it's ridiculous the amount of talent they have. So right now, as of December twenty eighth, twenty ninth, uh, Joe Lardy has uh, from the Big Ten. Let me find this here. Wisconsin is a two seed. Then we have Iowa as a three seed. 
which was kind of surprising to me. I thought they would be higher than that. Illinois is also a three seed. Rutgers is a four seed. Then you have Michigan State is an eight seed. Ohio State is a fifth seed. Northwestern is at 11. And then you have Michigan at four. And Minnesota at seven and Maryland is not in here right now. But I mean, that's a ton of Big Ten teams. That's 11 teams in a tournament. Like that's ridiculous. I'm telling you, 13 are going to make it. I think 12. I don't think Penn State or Nebraska make it. One or two wins for these for these lower bottom teams, and there's really no bottom, honestly, because everybody's. Also, Maryland is first four out. They're right there. They're on the cusp now after yesterday's win. (laughs) I mean, what what is your biggest takeaway from that win? What stood out to you the most? You know, aside from this giant upset, but like kind of specifically about you know, how they looked. Well, when you make free throws, you win. We know that now because they blew that up against Purdue. And that's, they came in with like a 60% percentage or something like that. It's, it was horrific. That's not why they lost to Purdue, but that definitely didn't help them at all. Exactly. Huge reason, but you, you, you can't, you can't ever pinpoint one single reason on why you lost a game, but that, put them out of it so much because that's free points. It's free throws. And kept them from trying to end. Yeah. You got to make those. Daryl Morcel knows he has to make those. Senior leader, whatever. Come now into Wisconsin. I don't know what changed, but they shot 12 of 15 from the stripe. And I mean, that should be expected. Wisconsin shot eight of 15. So those four more points helped them win the game. Realistically. I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, that's what you expect, though. Like, their shooting percentage before is horrific. It was just hard to watch. Um, I just say for me, it was just like a mentality standpoint, right? Like, um, you kind of hear, every, you know, it's kind of like coach speak to say, like, we're building chemistry and we're improving in all of this. And um, it's it seemed like they're kind of taking a moral victory against Purdue, even though they weren't, they said they weren't, but it was pretty obviously that, you know, they kind of were. Um, and I just like they come into this game against the number six team in the country um, on the road after having this tough road trip. Um, And, you know, first half they didn't shoot great, but they played amazing defense. They showed a lot of really good toughness and they just seemed to believe in themselves that game. Um, But I will say, I guess this can kind of be a good segue. I'm still very upset about the shot distribution. I mean, you got I mean, you got so many guys that could score different ways, but I, I I know what you mean in terms of efficiency and everything. But he's also me, the most athletic guy on this team. For me, I think Ayala has been scoring like crazy, and he doesn't shoot it nearly as well. He he also takes he has eighty four shots. Dante Scott has sixty five, and Aaron Wiggins has ninety one, which I think needs to go down a bit. But I mean, I, Wiggins is just incredibly inconsistent. Yeah, it's and I think – impressive how inconsistent he is. I, I think he, like, is just kind of – I mean, I don't want to, like, say this in a bad – in, like, kind of like a bad mean way, but, like, 
he's hogging the ball a bit, you know, like it seems like there's been many instances where there's an open pass or like guys that are better. And he's just like trying to make these like fancy moves and um, just, it seems like he's acting like he's a top shot on his team instead of realizing, like looking for the pass. And, you know, it's good to have that confidence, but you got to realize at some point that like, you got to help get over guys hot. And, you know, when you're not really shooting great, um, you also have to play a role as, as a facilitator. Um, and, you know, he is averaging, um, yeah, I mean, he's only shooting 25.7% from deep. Like, that's really bad. Nine for 35. Um, and then 41.8% from the floor. I do, you know, like Eric taking the shots he's taken. He's been inconsistent at time, but times, but it seems like he's finding his groove. But there's not a doubt in my mind that, mind that Dante Scott is the best player on this team. Like you said, there's not a Jalen Smith or or kind of other player on his team, and I think he's that player. I just don't think he's being utilized correctly at all. How do you think they should utilize that? So, I mean, you look at a guy like this, right? He's 6'7", and is, like, guarding 6'11 guys well. He's extremely athletic, has a really high vertical, vertical and he's the most efficient guy on his team. Um, the thing is, he's an unselfish player, right? So he's going to look for other guys. But I think Turgeon needs to emphasize um, getting him more looks because right now um, he only has 65 shots on the season. That's fourth on the team. Um, and, like, he's shooting 63.1% from the floor, 51.9% from deep. As we've mentioned, um, he's leading this team. Uh, he's now – averaging 12.9 points, which is second on the team and leading in rebounds. Um, I think that just with how well he's looked, the energy he brings, he's just such a confident guy. And it seems like he just can't miss these days. Like, I think it should be centered around him. You look at guys like Kevin Hurd and Jake Lehman that just weren't necessarily used correctly. And I think one of my biggest issues with Turgeon is kind of how he um, is insistent on running through a point guard and center. But when you have a team like this, where your point guard and center are not your best players, you need to learn how to adjust your offense through um, a guy like Dante, who did play point guard for a year in high school and has those skills. Um, I just think you need to run more plays for him, get him some more looks, because I really think that he could go off for this team if he's given the chance. And he's another guy that is just extremely versatile on every part of the floor. You said guarding seven footers he can guard a, he can guard one through five pretty much he can play one through five too he can also play offensively um i think he's been the most efficient so far the most impressive player so far also i what i agree get him more looks was it you who said you were looking to watch him this season or was it hakeem hart you said that about i said hakeem hart oh, okay. he has impressed me he has impressed me he hasn't taken on a significant role but he's been playing a lot of minutes Mm -hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of minutes on Shoal Mariel? Because I thought he looked incredible last night. He barely played. Um, he looked good, decent against Purdue. That was the first time. Because, like, I get you're trying to ease him into it, but when he's, ha when he's having a great game le uh, like that last night where he had – um, like the block tipped off his fingertips and then had that deep shot. Um, if you're only playing him a few minutes a night, 
he can't get better and find his groove, right? Because it's much different going against guys in practice than going against these bodies of the Big Ten. And um, he can't really get a shot going and kind of find his groove if you're, you know, playing him these limited minutes a night. And I understand the concerns, but he has looked a lot better. And he looked great um, against Wisconsin. I really thought that. And um, it's just been confusing to me um, why he then hasn't been playing him more. I get that um, Turgeon's liking small ball, but I think you got to get him more minutes and um, let him build that confidence, get that exposure. And, you know, because it's not doing a harm and it's going to help. So I think you got to get him at least five more minutes a game. I mean, he, he did He's come be playing out. at least 10 minutes a game, in my opinion. He came out with two fouls. That's more probably the reason why he didn't get more minutes in that game yesterday. But I think you, you don't take a guy out the entire game for getting two fouls. That's I mean, that's why he came out in the first half. Second half, they needed offense. I think that's more of the reason. Um, I think if you give him more time, like he does have a great shot, but you got to give him more time. Um, yeah, I mean, he's honestly like, I think he should be averaging at least 10 minutes a night, and that just hasn't been the case. Um, I think he has an opportunity to be a really special player for this team. I think the first time he looked decent was against Purdue, and he had a couple good defensive stops. Last night was the first time I was like, okay, maybe he's actually starting to come into it. And obviously he only played three minutes, but it, I just I – don't, I don't know if you can, against the number six team on the road when you have a chance to win – just put him in to try and try him out, you know? I'm not saying to try him out, but I think he could actually have helped them win that game. He had some huge plays for them. I think their defense was arguably better without him on the floor, which with how stifling it was in the second half. And yeah. their their scoring attack was unstoppable also. They shot 60 – what was it? So yeah, 64% in the second half. So – Again, I, I just don't think this lineup was better there. Again, though, I still just don't think this offense is being run the right way. Um, and I, it's it's also a shame for Dante because I mean we've talked about this like he has the perfect NBA um, profile in terms of athleticism, in terms of height, his vertical, already having a built body and muscle. He can score any way. He can bully in the paint. He can shoot. He's tough on defense. Like. And just that aggressive – I mean, he just needs to get more aggressive, I think. That's the biggest thing that I want to see from him going forward. And that also comes with Turgeon telling him to shoot more. Which he needs to. Yeah. I mean, it's there's just such a narrative with this team coming in that if Wiggins was going to be good, then they had a chance to be good. If Ayala shoots the ball well, they have a chance. Nobody ever thought that Dante Scott was going to take this jump that he has. And I, I kind of saw it coming with the, the way he played in like the last double, maybe 12 or 10 games last year where he was just – didn't look like a freshman anymore and he was unreal. And now it's like this guy's a sophomore, really. I mean, he looks like a first-team All-Big Ten player. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think if he gets more looks this year, he could have a chance to go late in the first, but he would have to get a lot more looks but I see him in the NBA by 2022. I thought that Aaron Wiggins was going to be the next NBA guy on this team. I thought he had a chance after last season, but that was kind of before last season. Um, and then he just didn't kind of build on his freshman year. And after seeing how he's been this year, like I'm not as confident that he can play at that pro level. Um, and I felt like so confident after his freshman year. Like I think Dante is the 
NBA guy on this team. I mean, Joel maybe eventually, like way down the line, but we'll see. Eventually, he could. I think Wiggins has the body, but not the not the efficiency or anything on the floor right now. I would argue that Dante is a better build. See, that's where we have the argument. Is he's that a foot taller and he's stronger. I think Wiggins. And he's a better. He's a bigger. He's a higher vertical too. Wiggins is more of the modern NBA guard forward than Dante is, in my opinion. I completely like six, disagree six, with that. Long can, can guard. So is Dante. <laughs> You're describing Dante. Yeah, they've like the same build Dante's and athleticism. More than guard. No, he played like three in high school. That's forward. He can. Three is like a small forward. It's not like down yeah. low. Like he so can what, play what's one guard for about a three. There's no guard about a three. Not guard. I'm saying like a wing player. I, I think that. That's different. I think he has more of a NBA body, but I mean, we'll see. I just think that they they need to center it more around him. I think this could be a special, like if they can get it going, like they did in the second half last night, but center it around him, like that could be big. And you, what's you're your gonna, uh, NBA comparison to Dante Scott in terms of body? Oh, I would need more time to think about that. You like, would have told me before. I would have done guys that are six six long can shoot like Wiggins. Herder mm-hmm. is one of them. You do realize that Dante is the same, except he's like he's not. Except he's a foot taller. He's a lot has a longer heavier. vertical and wingspan. Is stronger. He's a lot heavier. I don't know if he has a longer. In wingspan. a good way, he's like he doesn't have much body fat. Does he have a longer wingspan than Aaron Wiggins? I don't know if he does. I believe so. Because Wiggins is extremely successful at the top of that trap. I, I hate seeing that he's regressed. I really do. He's such a good guy. Um, I, I just don't, it's, it's hard for me to think about just, he was lights out from deep as a freshman and now he's shooting 25.7 last year was a struggle too. Um, and it's just like, it's so odd to me. Like I get, he didn't shoot as many as a freshman, but he looked great and he was great in high school. And it just seems like he just, he can't find a way to be consistent. And that's why he's not going to get NBA looks. He's consistently inconsistent. It's frustrating, honestly, for him. I'm sure. I would love to pick his brain about that, just not finding a groove. It's got to be tough, especially with Mm -hmm. how you started your career so well. He was one of the top small forwards in the country then, or ranked as it. Now, he's more – I would say he's also more of a wing. But I don't know. I I just think – if he starts knocking down shots, we always see him knock down some early shots and he's so confident. But if he misses the first few, he's just lost, it looks like. I think that's a huge thing for him. And I think that's been a huge hindrance to him is I think kind of is how his confidence wavers on the court and how quickly he can get out of a groove and fails to get back into one, you know? Yeah, and that's where I think that other players are – like, Ayala seems to always be confident. And even if he's struggling, he'll still be confident. Dante as well. And you can see the body language of Morcel sometimes. When he missed both those free throws against Purdue, he was kind of moping around a little bit. But last night it changed when he missed that free throw late against Wisconsin. He was, like, kind of smiling and laughing. And then he got another chance and he made it. And that's when he was all excited. So he knows he's – like, Daryl knows he's capable of it. 
So he, he was able to switch his mindset kind of, and, and I'm sure that took a little bit of time, you know, senior guard missed both those free throws to tie the game against Purdue and you lose. I know I would be thinking that's all my fault and at the end, but when you celebrate Christmas with the team, travel to Madison on the bus, I'm sure they had a lot of, I mean, Turgeon said they grew as a team over the last couple of days and it really showed on the floor. So just to have that confidence shift and the mindset shift of even if you're struggling, you still have it. You still, you still can do it. I think that's what needs to be instilled into Aaron Wiggins. I, like everybody knows he can do it. He knows he can do it, but it's just the first few that don't fall down and he struggles. But, but I think there also needs to be a recognition though of at a certain point, like I'm not passing the way I should be and I'm not making these shots. So let me adjust some. And I don't, I think that like, he's just been over aggressive at times when he's not having a good night instead of getting upper guys going. I mean, I think he's, he's been like, the efficiency hasn't been there, but the output kind of has. He's been scoring in double figures some games. He has 15, 15 and nine last night. Like, he had a good game last night. He just didn't shoot the ball the best way possible. Shot six of 13. Yeah. But he still had 15 and nine. Like, if you're looking at result or the output. In no, I'm just saying, like, I'm not talking about stats. I'm talking about what I'm seeing on the floor. Yeah, I think it's so hard because I don't know I don't know basketball obviously the way that Mark Turgeon does and I don't like to criticize or like do any you know say anything that I'm not as someone who studied film and like played basketball obviously I'm not at that level and not even close to it but like I think it's pretty fair to say this offense isn't being run the most efficient way I think that last night it kind of looked like everybody was scoring and that's kind of how it was going yesterday but when there is those guys struggling at the top that's when I think Dante Scott needs the ball in his hands because he really he's been the most efficient I'll keep saying it. you keep saying it he's been the most efficient all season the best player yeah So, so last night would be my only exception to that is that everybody was hitting their shots so you mentioned kind of the confidence this gives this team and they have an extremely tough road ahead. Um, you know, first they will face number 16, Michigan. Um, they'll face them, uh, to, sorry, not tomorrow on Thursday, uh, for new year's Eve, which I think I'm writing a column about this, this week. It just kind of feels like symbolic coming for coming full circle. Um, like that was my last memory before everything started with like COVID. Like that was my last like good moment of 2020 was just when they beat Wisconsin and win the big 10 tournament. And I just like this week, as I've thought about this game, I keep going back to that. When they beat Michigan to win the regular. Yeah. Now they're ending 2020 playing Michigan again in Xfinity center. It's just something, something feels like very full circle about that. Yeah. Here we are months later. Crazy. Yeah, I, that was a great day. Honestly, like one of my favorite uh, times covering a Maryland game. And uh, it's just strange, like going from that game in that atmosphere to the atmosphere we're now going to play um, this team in of just like no fans and um, all of that. It seems like I think there's been fans at some Big Ten teams. I think it has to do with Maryland's uh, laws right now. So maybe that could change. Um, but, but we'll see.
Yeah, I think the only the the only uh, fans, quote unquote, are have been family and friends of the yeah. point in the Big Ten, but other conferences like oh yeah, more so families had legitimate. Clemson had legitimate fans, but obviously the pandemic doesn't exist in South Carolina. So, <laughs> so yeah. So here is the road ahead. It is tough, as I mentioned. So first off, as I mentioned, you have number sixteen, Michigan. Uh, then after that, they travel to Indiana. Assembly Hall has always been a tough place for them. Indiana's a ranked team. Uh, they had that huge win there last season. Um, that should be an interesting game. Um, you know, Indiana's always a tough team. Uh, then after that, they quickly come back home. So that's January 4th and Monday. Um, they come back home to face Iowa um, on Thursday. I think that's going to be a really, really tough test. Uh, currently. Uh, the number uh, 10 team in the country. And then after that, uh, they're going to be at Illinois for that Sunday, another kind of quick turnaround. Um, Illinois, another really good team. Again, another tough building. They had a great game there last season, but, you know, no fans. And uh, they're number 15. So, you know, Maryland has a tough stretch ahead. The Big Ten, like, there are no breaks this season. So, I mean, we're going to find out a lot about this team. Over, over the next few games, I think we um, learned more than we thought last night than we thought we were going to. Well, that's a perfect way to start sort of the, the gauntlet because I think Purdue sits sort of where Maryland is right now, both obviously unranked. And I think starting it at Wisconsin with a win gives them the most confidence mm -hmm. that they could possibly have. Um, and now you roll that into at home on New Year's Eve against Michigan – they're going to have the Big Ten tournament on their – they're going to have the championship on, your, on their mind. I can tell you that. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a team that really hasn't played anyone significant. They're 7-0. and Yes, let's been, talk about that, please. They've been good, but they haven't played the teams that Maryland has so far. They haven't played anyone. I mean, the two best teams they faced are Penn State and Nebraska. Which are the two lowest, in my opinion, the two – based on how the season has played out, are the 14th and 13th best Big Ten team. Um, and then just you mentioned going to a, a team that's receiving votes in, I, in Indiana, excuse me. That's another tough game. Maryland knocked them off last year there. With that was a great game. game shot from Jalen Smith. Oh, that was a game Kobe died, though. That was really sad. That was. Yes. And – then you have Iowa at home, and we, we keep mentioning Iowa-Illinois as, like, really the two top teams in this conference, and playing them back-to-back -back is hard, but their rankings right now, really, they're a lot better than 10 and 15, in my opinion. I think that's just recency bias of them losing last week, so they moved down in the rankings. If they win the next couple of games, they're going to be higher than that. Oh, yeah, I think they're a lot better than that, um, especially Iowa, and, like, I don't, I don't think they – I don't see Iowa being a winnable matchup, but then again, I said that about Wisconsin. I just think Luca Garza is powerful. Like it's a hometown game for him. Um, still makes no sense to me why Maryland did not go after him harder as he was under recruited, but um, that's going to be such a tough team to stop. Uh, I'm really excited to see Illinois because they always have just the best battles. I love when Maryland plays Illinois, especially last year, both of those games were incredible. And just historically, since joining the conference, they've had some really great games. So that should be a fun one. Yeah, and the star power that both those teams have is going to be fun to watch 
um, just to see how this sort of new makeup of Maryland's basketball team matches up against it because you have Jalen Smith last year that could stop Garza and stop Coburn, but who is it going to be now? And Io DeSumo has just turned into this top guard in the nation, and I don't know who's going to guard him either. So, I mean, I that's also why I'm saying watch. you need to get show more minutes because there are going to be situations where you need to play him. You can't play small ball all the time, guys, but you're not giving him the chance to like get to that point because you're barely playing him. Like you can't continue to make progress going up the guys you're going against in practice. Like you got to get that exposure and like early on, you know, because there there's going to be a point where they can't play small ball. It's, it's not going to work in every situation. Well, should we move on to Michigan? Talk a little bit about yeah. that. Let's get into that. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, there are only two, you know, kind of decent wins were Penn State and Nebraska, but this team uh, looks great offensively. Yeah, and I don't know if that's because they have played mostly non-conference right. opponents also because Maryland's offense was kind of the same, looking unstoppable in those non-conference games. I mean, they did play UCF. That's a decent – non-conference game but um north their game against nc state in the acc big 10 challenge was postponed so i'm assuming that's going to be scheduled at a later time so we haven't seen that game yet uh they nearly lost to penn state only beat them by three and penn state is a three three team right and then they won by 11 against nebraska on christmas um but for me i think their most impressive player right now is hunter dickinson their freshman center from DeMatha, another seven-footer. Um, he's won Big Ten Freshman of the Week, I think, three or four times already, which might be every week. I, I don't even know. But he's he's just – he's going to be the guy that they have to stop. Um, and if live if they all – they have a lot of players that can go to the next level. Um, so if they're all shooting well and they're all scoring well, it's going to be a tough matchup, even though they haven't really played anyone. But – this team can really come out with a lot of different looks. They can go, they can shoot, they can go inside. They're averaging 82 points per game. It's, it's going to be a tough test for Maryland's defense. But if Maryland can score the ball, that's what's going to keep them into the game. Yeah, and you know that Hunter Dickinson is going to be motivated. You know, he went to DeMatha, um, another guy that Maryland didn't really go hard after, but was exactly the type of player they needed. And that's another thing that's kind of confused me. I've heard that he just didn't want to be close to home, but I don't think they went after him hard enough. Um, I think they really need to land more of this DMV area talent because there's a lot coming out of it, just like football. But you're right, he is, he's looked great. Um, he's just come in completely confident and um, stepped in with ease. And I think, you know, that's what you expect from a guy from a program like DeMatha. You know, those are guys that are going to be able to come in right away and produce. And then, you know, they lost, you know, John Teske, and he's just filled in there perfectly. Um, you know, you lose Xavier Simpson, and then, you know, Isaiah Livers has stepped up there, um, averaging 15.4 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 2.3 assists, and he's shooting 51.4% uh, from the field and 42.1% from deep. And this team as a whole – is shooting 51.5% from the floor. So, I mean, this is a team that really can, you know, have its will scoring. But again, we don't know how much of that has to do with who they faced. Yeah, and another one of their freshmen, Terrence Williams, went to Gonzaga, 
he's a he's a freshman forward. Oh, right. So another player that has ties to the area that's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder probably. Um, but you mentioned losing Teske and then their starting center, Austin Davis, a, a grad student now, so redshirt senior, he goes down a little bit. Uh, I don't know exactly what his injury is, but he's a little banged up, which has gotten Dickinson a lot more minutes, and he's been phenomenal. Um, just shot blocking, defense, scoring the ball, inside, whatever. And then you have Eli Brooks, a senior guard, who has really taken a jump uh, over the last couple of years. Livers, Wagner. Yeah, you can't forget Wagner. The NBA. Wagner is a 6'10 guard. I mean, this guy. 11 points per game, 7.3 yeah. rebounds, 2.7 assists. He's another player that's going to play in the NBA. I don't think point. Dickinson will, though, because he doesn't have a three-point shot. And you can't survive an NBA without a three-point shot anymore. He's still a seven-footer. I mean, he has a shot just because he's seven feet. He's a seven-one, two fifty-five. 255. He's going to get a lot more muscle. He's only a freshman, and he's doing this. Yeah, thing. I'm just saying he needs to develop his, his long range. I'm sure he will. He's also left-handed. That gives him an even better chance. Oh, True. What uh, else are you going to be watching in this game? I mean, do you think it's going to be just a high-scoring game? After think, a really slow defensive game against Wisconsin? I mean, I, I just think that Michigan scores a lot, and that's going to force Maryland to have to score. I don't know if they're going to shoot the ball well or how they're going to come out in this game, but Maryland came out pretty hot against Wisconsin. They had a decent start in that when they usually don't start well. Uh, but as far as, as Michigan's offense goes, they only scored 62 against Penn State, but they've scored at least 80 in every other game. And they've scored 96. That was their most in the first game against Bowling Green. So they're, they're likely going to score somewhere around 70 or 80 points. Um, and Maryland's defense is really going to have to stop their attack. They have another, another Big Ten team that has a balanced attack, can go outside and inside, just like the way Illinois and Iowa can. And their um, best guys are very efficient. Right. Their best guys are NBA players. It's, they're all veterans, too, except for Wagner and Dickinson, obviously, the contributors that are a sophomore and a freshman. But the rest of them are pretty much – it's, it's a veteran-led team. And I think they're going to have to – Maryland's going to have to ride the momentum from beating Wisconsin to just try and hang in there and knock them off late uh, if they want to beat Michigan. But it, it's another tough, tough game. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think that the guys on this Maryland team, especially the ones returning, you know, that moment to end the season is still going to be on their minds. And I think that's going to get them fired up, you know, not only being fired up from having the Wisconsin win, but just like playing this team again, you know, like that was their last memory of last season. And um, I think just having that in mind is going to make them come out more aggressive. But I mean, I think this is going to be a fast paced game. Uh, the Wolverines are averaging 13.1 turnovers per game, which is second to last in the conference. You know, Maryland really gets going when it can turn its defense in the offense. And I think that's going to be the key for this game is for them to, uh, you know, continue to get steals and blocks and really take advantage of the fact that uh, Michigan doesn't handle the ball great. Yeah, they're going to have to force some turnovers, jump into passing lanes. And I think what they can do is – Against Wisconsin late, we saw Maryland switch to the 3-2 zone and start using the 
full court press, if they're able to mix up their defense against Michigan, that might throw their offense off a little bit. That's um, what helped the team so much last year. That was such a huge part yeah, of that. And it, it showed last night. Last night I really noticed when they went to this switch and Wiggins was at the top, he got that steal and dunked it on the other end. That's sort of when the game switched. He just pounced on that. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I mean, that was crazy how he got that one. It was like midair. He just like – it was like up in the air. He just like batted it down. When, when you have a guy like that that, in, that can jump in passing lanes and things, it's good to utilize switching up the defense that really can – it forces an offense to just change what they're doing and they might get uncomfortable in doing that. Um, so if they're able to execute that well, Maryland's going to have a shot, but again, it's another, it's going to be another tough test. And I don't know when I want, I want to know the last time an unranked Maryland team won back-to-back games against a ranked opponent. Yeah. We'll have to look that up. Um, yeah, the stats for all, for that one, but. It's going to be a tough game. I mean, yeah, and as we talk about the best offensive strategy, you know, you and I were talking about just how many athletic guys are on this team. I think that you have um, Wiggins and uh, and Dante Smith as kind of like the best, like most athletic guys. Ayala is like kind of sneaky athletic um, since all of that uh, work he put in last year. Um, you have a guy like Hakeem Hart who's really athletic, Jarius Hamilton. Um and so I, I do think that just like playing a bit more fastball, especially if they're going with that smaller lineup, will be huge for this team. Yeah, and it's it's tough to – last night it, it was tough for them to score in half-court sets against Wisconsin's defense. A lot of transition buckets are going – Oh, yeah, it's Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean, same thing goes for Michigan. They allow opponents to shoot somewhere around 30% from the field. I can definitely say that has something to do with playing bad teams. But in a team like Maryland that can sh- – we know it can shoot the ball well. It did in non-conference games. Um, so if they're able to score in transition, that's going to help a lot instead of attacking on a half-court set, which Michigan's defense is really good. You have a seven-footer in the paint, a long player in Wagner, a long player in, in uh, Livers, tough guys on the wings. Just everywhere you look, there's a good player. And – that's going to be the test is if they can score in transition and stay in in, and create runs that will help them stay in the game. Yeah. And I mean, I guess we'll kind of go into predictions from there. I guess you want to give me your prediction for the next, the next two, because I guess we'll be back next week. So Michigan and Indiana. I'll say they lose to Michigan. They beat Indiana. I was going to say the other way around. I think they lose at home, win on the road. Well, I guess we'll see who is right there. Like I said, I personally just think they're going to come fired up into this Michigan game. Uh, like we said, definitely a tough schedule ahead, but uh, we're really going to find out what this team is made of. We certainly will, and we thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. We'll be back next week to recap the Michigan and Indiana games as well as the Maryland women's basketball and just news in general around the Maryland Terrapins. But we'll have coverage from – all of these games across all sports, and we hope you follow along with it.